There is also Carmo. What we're going to talk about is something near and dear to a lot of the hearts of people on Clubhouse, and that is democracy. Democracy is in a fight for its life right now against forces that are preaching. Um, I don't know what they're preaching, to be very honest, but they're not preaching love, and they are not preaching inclusiveness, and they are not preaching any of the principles of Karma Club. So, so anyway, we, we are going to try and figure out how to make people who really do want democracy, but really haven't given much thought to what you have to do to pre preserve it, to make them aware that it's work. And you can't, uh, you can't just think it's going to always be here for you if you're not willing to do any of the work. Um, let me set the room once more, since more people have come in, and then we'll get going on the, uh, the discussion of democracy. Um, and by the way, Shireen, Eric, Andrea, if you would like to be, since you are such serious participants in the purpose of Karma Club, which is serious discussions with smart people in an atmosphere of love and help, um, then you can, uh, you can buy some Karma Coin and become a leader of Karma Club. And, and then if you get tired of being a leader of Karma Club, you can, um, you can sell or give your Karma Coin to someone else who wants to be a leader of the club. And in that way, I'm hoping we're going to build a community with its own baby economy that has the right, the, the right, um, and I don't mean to say pretenses, but the right underpinnings, not just money, something with ethics. And right now what Karma Club is doing with the Karma Coin is supporting 73 other creators by sharing the weekly rewards with them. And, um, and they are sharing back with us. So it's, it's already a pretty interesting community. And if you want to know more about me and more about the, the resources for Karma Club and what we're doing, um, you can go to Linktree slash Heyman, am I right? Link, yeah. Linktree uh, slash Karma Club. Yeah, it's L-I-N-K. And that'll be it. And yes, invite up the people with raised hands for now. Let's see who wants to talk about democracy. It can be a very um, it can be a very scary topic to talk about the future of democracy. Um, Andrea, would you like to uh, set more of the stage since this is a an offshoot of a room you held in after we vote? Um, sure, Francine. First, thanks for um, having this discussion. Happy to be part of um, Karma Club and love your vision. Uh, we need we need more, you know, compassion and empathy, and uh, and uh, working for and with each other right now. <laughs> and if it costs you a couple of bucks to be part of the community, it's no big whoop, right? You go buy a Karma coin on rally.io and you're part of the community. 
that that's right. And then we're also part of this greater experiment. Um, exactly. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting into crypto, which is eventually going to take over. <laughs> Actually, well, I've been in crypto since 2013. And I've never, you know, I've never tried to convince anyone into it. But now I see a really good use for it in in creating a, um, I, oh gosh, I don't have the words for it. But it's sort of like a parallel eco- economy to the economy we have now. The economy we have now is stone cold capitalism that does not appear to give a crap about people. And Karma Club is all about people. It's all about the biggest issues of our day and how um, how people in with a willing spirit can help resolve some of those issues or or at least discuss them and educate other people about them in a in a um, in a happy and productive way. So go on. Okay, well, I have more questions about that later. Like the uh, like the transaction, the transactions are based on um, kind of greater good for society. But uh, that's a deep dive. Then (laughs) no, the the transactions are based on supporting other creators. The the Karma Coin has a reward system, or or rather, Rally, which is the company that that um, puts out Karma Coin, has a rewards system. And rewards rewards are based on supporting creators. So you can be, for instance, um, I don't know, Deaf, Deaf, what's their name? Deaf Metal? I don't even know their name, but I'm supporting them. There are, uh, there are, a whole lot of other creators on Rally, and I buy their corn coins with my karma coins, and I help support them. And we are like a community of supporters of creative people, and it's a very cool concept. And I'm re- I've, I've totally fallen in love with it because if if we are able to support creators to be independent simply by supporting each other. That is what karma is all about. You know, that is that is what we should, I think we should be doing. And for those of you who don't know any more about me, then there's this strange green person up on stage. I, I am a person who has been an entrepreneur and a coach for entrepreneurs and an investor in entrepreneurs all my life. And I am now at the part of my life where uh, giving back and making the world better is what I see as my purpose. And I'm trying to gather the smart people that I know in a community with me that will also be a legacy for that part of the world that I've touched. And God knows this is a big vision but if you don't have a big vision what good are you you might as well not even make a start it is time to go big or go home on so many issues especially down washington right now (laughs) right reconciliation bill and erica has to drive in a few minutes so 
Uh, if she has anything she wants to contribute, I'd like to hear from her, her first. But I also want to tell her that your room on Amigos the concern that um, that we are largely ignoring. We're in a sort of black, white situation in America, at least in so many different ways. And the Hispanic people who are <laughs> wonderful, I hate to say this, but very nice people, <laughs> they're too nice. They don't make enough demands on the system and they are not, uh, they are not considered enough in the future, despite the fact that Spanish is the second most spoken language on the planet. So anyway, hi, Erica. I actually just got in the car, so I hope I'm coming in clear. No, I just you are. <laughs> I thank you for that, Dr. Francine. <laughs> yes, um, hopefully it's it's because we're global, right? That's a that's that's the point. That's what what do we want is what, what do we want is democracy. And I just shared in the um, economic uh, news news newsroom about um about the uh, the infrastructure bill and about everything that's included in that. So I hope that gets resolved. And that's my two cents. And we're having the Amigos Room tomorrow. So please join us again. And everybody else. Okay. Thank you, Erica. Okay, now back to setting the question. What are we willing to do? Well, first of all, do we really want democracy? Do we want 74 million people in the United States voted for Donald Trump, who tried as hard as he possibly could to destroy our democracy? Um, but maybe that's not what they thought they were doing. And in fact, I know it's not what they thought they were doing because they, see, they saw themselves as patriots. And so if they are trying to preserve democracy, and please excuse me, because I live in an inclusive household, meaning I have four dogs. And when some come, someone comes to the door, um, the dogs feel like it's their duty to protect me. But, but um, the people who we, some of us, I, I, I really have a hard time with we and they. The, the people that some of us think are trying to subvert democracy are the people who call themselves patriots and the people who think they are the true preservers of democracy. So I'm going to assume that they do want democracy. And Shereen, <laughs> you, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on you, Doctor. I know you are, but I'm gonna jump after you, sure. Yeah, I, I appreciate your attempts because I do think that what typically happens here, there's a, a lot of holding a benefit of the doubt for all Americans and this framework that um, um, uh, the American exceptionalism that this country li lives for and lands on. Um, 
but this is very old. This is not new in America. Um, but even Martin Luther King said it. I always find it interesting when people are using Martin Luther King's words. And one of them they don't use is when he says that white people want democracy for themselves and they want dictatorship for black and brown people. And that is a reality of what took place real time on January 6th, because black people chose a POTUS and white people decided, a select group of white people, I'll just say, decided that that we did not have that right. And almost every action that has been happening since that is actually connected to that. That includes all the voter suppression bills. Uh, this is as old as Jim Crow, and it's a, it is a staple of this country, from, from the voter suppression bills to the gerrymandering. Um, and you have been in that room about the way in which the Constitution is operating and how the SCOTUS responds, right? The 1877 compromise literally says that the South gets to do whatever they want to Black people and the North is not to interfere. So when people come to try to take over the North, i.e. the, the capital, that is still based on a very old compromise that has not been removed or resolved. Um, so when people are saying they are patriots, they're patriots for a specific type of America, and that America is not inclusive of all voices, all votes, and all perspectives who happen to also have been born in this country, who have a, vi- a right to vote, um, which is why this, this whole replacement theory is being used, because they mean replacing white people. And that is not democracy. That is called minority rule. And we're having a hard time accepting what minority rule is. And I was in the other room um, trying to come up on the stage because there's always these questions that come up in these conversations, particularly the debate over the infrastructure and what we're watching. We are not acknowledging, they keep changing this to the progressives and the moderates debating. The Dixiecrats still exist with a Southern strategy model. As a matter of fact, most of these things that are happening are coming from an old Southern strategy model that is taken across, has been now being used across this entire nation. And somehow we're pretending. Let's explain, let's explain, or you, you explain what is meant by the Southern strategy, because that is like a, you know, sort of World War II era. Can I get some context on that too? Absolutely. Eric, Eric, you go ahead. Okay. So guys, the Southern strategy in a nutshell is the Lee Atwater political campaign strategy that he believed would and did help Richard Nixon get into the White House after losing in the 1960 election. And for context, in the 1960 election, Richard Nixon got 34% of the African-American vote. The last time that the black vote has been that high for a Republican and also the higher, highest raw number vote total of African-Americans that voted. But of course he lost that election to Kennedy and there were components in the South. Some of the reason he lost was their outreach also to the Mexican-American and Latino community. So they had a bug up their butt 
about what well, we went this way and we didn't get the victory in terms of reaching out to black voters, being pro-civil rights and the like. And we saw what Barry Goldwater did in 64 by opposing the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and how he was able to sweep Southern states that hadn't voted for a Republican. And so Leah Atwater's frame was, we have to be run a racist campaign without being racist and it being clearly seen. We have to equate the N-word with desegregation of schools, with busing, with integrated neighborhoods, with urban renewal, the activities that were coming out of the great society of Lyndon Johnson. We need to weaponize these terms and immigration as well. We need to weaponize these terms and use it to scare Southern white Democratic voters who are leaving because of the 64 and 65 Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act, as well as retaining our traditional Northeastern and our Midwestern and Western Coast voters. And it worked. Add in couple two, you had George Wallace running in that particular election as well. But if you add in the George Wallace vote and the Richard Nixon vote, they combined were 58% of the total electorate. That's after the last time that Democrats won the majority of white voters, which was LBJ in 1964, when he won 59% of the white vote. That was the fundamental shift that has worked all the way out through since then. They kept it as a part of the strategy. Reagan used it in 1980 as a part of his strategy in beating Jimmy Carter. And it's continued to metastasize. Newt Gingrich added to it. Then Donald Trump took it to steroids. But it's the demonization constantly of Black voters, Latino voters, Native American voters, and white Democratic voters, by extension, as the other non-Americans. And they're okay, trying that, to destroy America. Okay, but, but Eric, this is not only happening in America. How does this explain, for instance, Turkey? Or how does this explain what happened in the United Kingdom government? Or how does this explain, you know, it's like democracies are in trouble all over the world. I go in these, in, Samara, say something, you want to? No, I just wanted to say, well, hello, everybody. Hi, Dr. Francine. Yes, um, you do. You, you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in Canada, um, not in the U.S., um, and I do find a lot of these conversations about democracy, obviously very American centric, um, not saying that Canada, you know, has a ton of differences or input, but, you know, it's, it's a question it's a here question. too, and it, it goes beyond um, American, American borders, to your point, Dr. Francine. Yeah, I, I so, think it really does. And so... So we're so selfish. We think, you know, we think that it is always about us, but it's about democracy, so, which is a 
Oh, I'm Go sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say, Dr. Francis, so to add context to that, the exporting of America's bad behavior. American Nazi, imperialism. American imperialism. The exporting. The Nazis used the Jim Crow and segregationist approach to governing as their model for not only the demonization of Jews and other non non-eligibles in their society in Germany and across Europe, but then the forced labor going into the concentration camp. So looking at where we are today, the exporting of the American imperialism idea and the premise of subjugating a class that you can deem as other it's very appealing because one, you can sell people on the idea that government can be can work simple for you. You can win if we just force the other people into a corner and subjugate them, restrict them from rights, because the other people are the ones that are taking from you. Two, if you just give me all the control, I can make all the decisions and your life is going to be easy. It's the role of least resistance versus the hard role in the Bible parable that Jesus had. Which path do you take? And the authoritarian dictatorship model that is creeping up both in the radical Trump movement, but also around the globe, is a continuation of that that's always been a part of our societies. And Shireen is right. We have a lot we've never reconciled with to fix and say no this is not acceptable period i'm done speaking and okay well, i am I, dr francine can i add on to what eric's saying yeah um, but here's what i'm gonna do after you add on to what eric said and and shereen adds on to what you're gonna say there are a bunch of other people up on the stage and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna start from the bottom <laughs> I'm going to get input from a whole bunch of different people because everybody always starts from the top and never gets down to the bottom. So, okay, go ahead, a Andrea. Thank you. I I just wanted to add uh, on to what Eric is saying that um, I believe in certain circumstances, it's also um, you, you need to follow the money trail uh, in politics. So um, it's somehow also it's become more about you know winning and then it's it's become about power and, and influence so if you track the money for some of the you know campaign contributions um the influence that comes with the money for recommendations for certain positions that line in administration um it's it's i think it's also quite important to be tracking the money because it's um, linked to maintaining power and influence and potentially also influencing things to make even more money. Um, and there are these elements that are at play and it's global. That's not just in America. It's uh, probably, in, um, probably in every political system out there. But I think that is another thread. And that combined with then the impact of um, the, the social media platforms uh, with the uh, quick amplification of 
messaging, the dumbing down of messages into sound bites. And finally, um, the fact that also the media is so kind of, is is often the, the, the media is, you know, bite-sized messages and polarizing views and how even I was thinking in our rooms that we've hosted over and over and over again, Dr. Francine, this is the last thing I'll say, is that um, it, it'd be interesting to bring more data to the table, you know, to really look at actually how there is this, uh, for example, in America, the, the radical uh, Trumplican sector that we talk about all the time. But if we were to actually look at more polling and look at it and look at what Americans um, think, we might find out that we actually have more common ground the people, uh, but right. that might not have the political parties and their election. And that's why I want to get out of the same people talking about it all the time and see if I can find some people who, you know, who I really don't know, you know what I mean? Who might believe something that I, that might be different from what I believe so that we can get some, some real, um, broader scope into addressing these issues. Giannis, is that how I pronounce I, your name? I thought yeah. I was going after Andrea. Oh my God, Giannis, I'm sorry. It's okay. I just I just want to round this out really quickly. Okay. Um, I have, I changed my PTR to show that even right now, Germany is up against the disinformation that is very much a mirror of what happened in America that's happening in Germany. And they're concerned about the same behavior, that this is not the only other place that has to worry about that. But I think it's important to remember how much America has influence as I, as they're just, as they're also trying to tell other countries what democracy is while they are producing the models of their imperialism on that. I think it's really important to not think about this as just the centering America, but to understand that, that we still are operating the global uh, political framework, and, and yet we're a- pretending like we're exceptional and we're the only ones that do it right. Like I, it, like, I really need us to push back against saying that kind of thing out loud. The other thing I just want to quickly say I, I, uh, is that, you know, this is the kind of thing, like my grandfather fought in World War II came back home to Jim Crow, but while over there was put in jail for defending himself. And they were also trying to, there's like multiple stories about black people over there being treated um, as real human beings and Americans trying to, i.e. soldiers trying to still continue Jim Crow in other countries and trying to make other countries adopt that model. There's ways in which that shows that we're not talking about. And then the last thing I want to say that rounds us back to the RNC piece is that um, in 2005, this is 2005, I think people still don't realize when I'm talking about Southern Strand, this is not that long ago. We're still dealing with it and yet pretending it's not present, that the um, RNC chairman actually apologized to the NAACP for exploiting racial polarization to win elections and ignoring the black vote. Like that is a model that's happening right now. And, and, and if anyone wants to get the clip from me, I'll DM you from what at word actually says, trigger warning, the N word is in it, but you can hear him saying it exactly. And it goes all the way down to the tax code. So if you want that information so you can hear it real time, I have a, a, the clip of him speaking. This is Shereen, I'm done. I like to believe that the gods struck down Lee Atwater for a reason but I guess they didn't strike hard enough. 
he died very young and very suddenly. And at the time, I had a very unkarmic thought about it. But Giannis, now go. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Francine, I believe, uh, how how you pronounce it? Okay. Pleasure meeting you. I'm pleasure don't, meeting don't everyone. Don't worry about how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I just want to bring a, a quick perspective, a global perspective to this, uh, to answer your question with regard to really do we uh, really want democracy. So I'm, I'm looking at it from a global perspective um, since World War II. Um, America, uh, as a Canadian myself, but as a, America has exported a lot of things to the world. And one of the things was a democracy, at least in, in, in this new age of the world, right? Um, uh, for the past 70 years, uh, they, uh, America built many, many institutions, uh, the UN, uh, um, many, many institutions, uh, the World uh, Monetary Funds and everything else into it, right? And, and that brought a, a period of peace that past 70 years, relatively speaking, um, not too many countries have been world wars uh, together against each other. Uh, it brought some sort of peace, even though there's, there's uh, breakout wars here and there, but it was in a regional wars as, as, as used to be back in the days. So uh, from a democracy-wise, America was able to export not only politics, not only democracy, uh, or America exported a lot of good things to the world um, and influenced good things to the world sometimes in terms of like uh, uh, culture, arts, uh, you know, entertainment, sports, uh, they, they were able to do all that. So, but what's happening nowadays and why I'm, I'm just saying the good things about America and the bad things, what's happening now in, in the past election, um, democracy in the U.S. really was under threat. And when you see that threat in, in the U.S., everybody in the, around the world freaks out because, you know, for the past 70 years, the U.S. has been preaching about hey, let's have a democracy into different cultures who don't even believe in democracy, or they don't even know what democracy is, and they've been living for thousands of thousands of years without it. And America has been trying to force them to learn about this. Case in point, Afghanistan, Iraq, and so on and so forth, right? Um, so, so, so now, when, when, when America faces that threat of democracy, basically the whole world on edge. And, it, and that's really, really, you can see it now in different countries in the world, um, of the election lies and, and the fake news uh, and misinformation going on. It's extremely rampant right now uh, and all over the world. Um, the last one, actually, it was happening last week. Uh, if I heard the, the headlines was in Bolsonaro in Brazil, right? Uh, right. You know, and he's, 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 he's basically taking Trump's playbook, and he's exactly doing so. So what, what America's go through... You know, um, basically the world copies. And actually, another, another, I noticed that, that trend back in the day in 2008 with, the, with Barack Obama when he was going through his election. Uh, yes, we can. Uh, a lot of other countries in the world, actually, they took his even logo and slogan. Uh, some of the electrician, uh, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, the members that they were going, you know, some, some of the people, the presidents and the prime ministers around the world. So what happened in the U.S. happened everywhere in the world. That's what I'm trying to say. So do, is a democracy a good thing? Yes, a democracy is a good thing. However, it has many, many holes. It's not perfect. Um, and it has problems with it. Um, do I like to live in democracy? Yes, I would love to live in democracy. Uh, what do I, would I give up? Um, I'm, you know, probably, probably 
you know, there's there's this misinformation problems is going to be a big problem for democracy. Uh, not understanding where where it's going to go. So um, so that's probably going to be a problem. But uh, my name is Jonas, and I'm done. Thank you. Thank you, Jonas. Kyle. Kyle, are you with hey. us? How's it going, everyone? Well, I'm, I'm beginning to think that America has a responsibility to get its shit together because it's too influential in the world not to. What do you think? Or you say something else, I don't Go ahead. Well, I kind of, um, I guess I have a, a, a sort of a pessimistic view on all this that doesn't really, uh, it's kind of unreconcilable, but um, with, uh, with a democracy, um, I think, I think any, anything we put together is, <clears throat> is doomed to uh, implode under its, its own weight because, you know, government uh, only gets bigger. Um, and there's some, some saying I heard, and it was like one of the, the founding fathers, I, I believe, I don't know which one, but um, as, as soon as a population realizes that they have the, uh, the power to vote themselves a paycheck, um, democracy is ruined. And I, I don't think just because of you know, the nature of human greed and the uh, centralization of power uh, that's uh, inevitable, um, I, I just don't think, uh, I don't think it's a, success, a system that could uh, succeed on a, I don't know, a, a long enough time frame. Obviously, it's, uh, it can go for, go for a while before that happens. But um, all that being said, I don't really think that there's anything, there's any better alternative. Uh, because, um, again, humans, humans are greedy. They're selfish, and typically the ones that uh, uh, arrive at a seat of power um, are the types that are uh, exceptionally afflicted by those faults. Boy, ain't that the truth? But Kyle, you're you know you work in the the supposed DeFi space, and you work with people who were and I think in many cases still are, enormous idealists in the sense that that they believe that it's possible to decentralize things and produce a better outcome. And the sad thing about that, and it reminds me of what you just brought up about human beings, is that Nate Chastain just made himself rich in the decentralized economy you know, by trading on insider information, which made him just like any other old time Wall Street pig. So I'm not um, I'm not against uh, uh, I don't say I'm not against it, but I guess the the uh, point of crypto, in my opinion, is uh, the freedom to uh, transact and interact uh, however we want. And along with that uh, ability uh, comes a responsibility to oneself. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think regulations are. Um, I'm not for the idea of regulations. People are going to 
people are going to get ripped off. People are going to lose money. Uh, and that's, that's the price you pay for being able to do whatever you want. As soon as you need someone to hold your hand uh, in your interactions with your inter- economic interactions with your peers, that's when you introduce the uh, inevitable tier. In SEC. Yes. <laughs> and, and with that, everybody loses. So in a crypto world, um, if everything played out, it would be brutal and hyper-capitalist, um, but it would be fair. So, Okay, well, I've been playing in that world now for about eight years, and um, it's actually fairer so far. You're, you're right about that. Rick? Next victim. Uh, by the way, I'm not here, you... by the way. I, I was gone for a while. I'm back. Okay, where were you in the order of events? Because I'm going from bottom to top. Uh, I think I was after, before Kyle, but I'm do the other guy first. I, I can totally wait. Okay, Rick and, then, like... Rick and then Joseph. Okay, well, thank you. This is uh, uh, two really interesting questions. Um, do we really want democracy? Uh, I would say no, because if we really did, we would work harder. And what are we willing to give? Um, not a whole lot. And I, but I think both of those things can change. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work. I, I can't tell you how many people. For the last two months, I've been working on this uh, recall campaign in California. And I can't tell you how many people I have talked to that say, well, both parties are exactly the same. And um, they don't really qualify that with how they are the same. Um you know, they do operate under the same system, but, you know, policies are very different. Um, you know, and, and trying to get people to do something as simple as call, making phone calls or going door to door for an hour a day, once a, a week or once a month is extremely difficult. Now, I understand that. Most people have very busy lives today. If they have kids, if they're working hard, uh, if they're in poverty. Uh, I went to nursing homes where people can't drive. They didn't get their ballots in the mail because they had gotten injured, got put into a a nursing home. Uh, They didn't have people in the nursing home helping them to get a ballot. Um. And it just makes made me extremely aware. Well, that of, is an interesting kind of voter suppression. Well, it, it made me very aware that I am really privileged to be healthy, to have some time on my hands, to have the money and the resources to go to the city center and re-register to vote or to have access to the internet or to be able to call somebody or to have somebody to help me, even if I was in bed sick. Um, 
Right. There are a significant number of people who do not have that um, for many reasons, economic reasons, uh, you know, location reasons, health reasons. Um, and there's just not that many people trying to help them. So if we really believe in democracy, we have to stop this political gerrymandering. We have to stop the voter suppression. We have to help people vote. And that is so important. And it's really hard work. I mean, it's ridiculously hard to try to get people motivated to to do things. They're very, very cynical. And in many ways, I can see why um, they're cynical. But, you know, we have to do better. And it's just going to take us all getting out there and doing it and talking to people and especially talking to people we disagree with respectfully. Um, you know, we, we, exactly. can still, we can still tell hard truths. Um, you know, Shireen is very good about that. And um, Shireen is amazing. She's amazing <laughs> at it. And, and she has... She has set me straight a number of times, um, <laughs> and it, it's something that's needed, you know. And, right. and it may be hard to hear, um, especially if you think that you're enlightened, you know, um, and and that that you are doing a good job. That how much better a job we could be doing if we all worked just a little bit harder. Right. And Francine, okay. we, we need to link up globally. There are people in other countries that feel the same way. It's a global phenomenon. So we need I to, know. like, the global people's move. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm really trying to link up globally every single time I do anything. Joseph, what say you? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I think I'm... Uh, a combination of a of a few people here. Uh, I I am also pretty pessimistic. Um, I, I I guess with the gentleman who was just speaking, uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. I've done a bunch of um, activism work, get out the vote work in California. And, okay, so do, uh, you know, I, let's. I, I don't want to deny you your pessimism, but we've got to figure out a way to get to a yes. Well, something. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was, was going to get to that. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. The the a, a big part of it is is that, and the reason I'm pessimistic, and I think this is important. Um, I mean, the good news is I think that there's a very uh, specific problem that needs to be solved. The reason I'm pessimistic is that I I don't foresee it happening. Uh, I, I don't really think we've lived in a, in a functioning democracy since um, the mid-1970s. Um, I, I think that after um, uh, the campaign finance decisions that came in 76 and 78, um, we essentially lost, uh, not that it was any kind of utopia before, but uh, the, the government at least had the ability to uh, adjust to to uh, the will of the people, and and now it's it's run by donors. 
Um, so I, yeah, so I, 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 I think fixing that systemic issue would result in, in much, much better outcomes than we have and a lot less apathy. Um, because people would actually have a, a, a functional effect on on the government. Uh, the problem is, is that both parties, and I know this because I've I've worked behind the scenes to try to do things um, with with organizations, both parties, um, and yes, the Democrats. I would actually say, especially uh, actively fight against uh, those kinds of reforms. Um, so yeah, so I'm optimistic because I think the goodness, the heart of the nation is, is, is there. Uh, I think it's a fundamentally systemic problem though. And then I have a hard time seeing how I get. Okay. I, um, we have 15 minutes and five speakers. So do the math. Um, Jeanette. Hey, I'm just taking away the information today that, uh, I, I work at the at the level to try to get voters to vote, to try to turn off their TV, stop watching the news stations, go directly to the source. So I take away all the information that everybody shares, especially Andrea, Shireen, Eric, you, Dr. Francine. I take that and do the ground level work just to try to get people people to be better informed and to communicate with all those that are elected and to elect those that listen to them. Look, we, we're, we're in a time where a party that tells you what they think is good for you instead of representing you, that is problematic. So that's where I am. I'm glad to share. Thank you, Dr. Francine. We're, we'll be doing more of this, obviously. Um, Sequoia. Yeah, very interesting conversation. I agree with a lot of the points that have been made. I think, uh, you know, we, we definitely strive for democracy. We've had a lot of experiences in recent history here in the United States. And I think back to one of my original mentors in politics was Tom Hayden, who I worked for in the early 90s. Um, and the, the work that the Chicago 8 did in the Port Huron papers in the Democratic National Convention, disrupting that and trying to create truly a participatory democracy, I think was laudable, but has been corrupted by money, as a lot of people have talked about up here. So I think as we think through the world... Did you say corrected or corrupted? Corrupted. (laughs) Corrupted. Some people would argue corrupted. That's true. I wondered what I was hearing. Okay. No, no, I don't think... Yeah, uh, definitely not not, uh, corrected. Um, It has made made it um, a shadow of what was envisioned, I think. Um, and so I think that as we talk to other places in the world and as we think through how to regulate media, um, we have a lot of history lessons to go back and look at. So, you know, early in our countries, I live in the United States, early in our country's uh, history, we had the freedom of the press put there because people have published lies all about each other. Ben Franklin wanted to write whatever he was going to write and Washington wanted to write what he was going to write. And they don't did not want to be abridged on that. So, you know, I think there's something to learn 
but we have to get the money out of the picture. And I think a lot of that also has to do with AI now. So it's not just money. It's also AI and power and search, as we know. But I think the money is the problem. And I do believe that, you know, it's the worst that form of government we've ever come across. And it's the best form of government we've ever come across. And we have to uh, strive to get back to its pure form. So that is uh, what I'm, where I'm coming from. Thank you for having this room. Okay, thank and thank you for attending. Um, let's see, Maria. Hi, Dr. Franklin. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for this room. Such an interesting conversation. As regards the topic of the room, do we really want democracy? Uh, my answer is yes. Um, and I will keep it brief. Um, in the interest of time, I would like to define democracy as, as the government of people, by people, and for people. Um, having said that, um, democracy, familiar. yes, it's a very famous quote, yes, but I, would, I, I really like the definition. Uh, from that perspective, um, democracy is a process, not a state, it's, an, it's dynamic. It is not a perfect system. It has its, its flaws. So, but uh, nevertheless, I think that uh, the democratic values are essential. And that's explained why my answer was yes. I really want democracy because democracy, uh, what uh, it ensures, it warrants individuals' freedoms and rights. And if we think for a moment about those countries where individuals' rights are restricted and or the atrocities that can be committed when the freedoms and individual rights are restricted, I think we really uh, do want democracy systems, even though it may have, it is not a perfect system. And also uh, in line with what have been mentioned earlier, Democracy promotes progress and well-being for competition of, di of different interests. And uh, finally, I think that it also empowers citizens as regards the collective decisions. So that's why my answer is yes. And what are we willing to give? I think that first, we, we, we should choose our representative wisely. That's very important when we vote. Um, and then, as uh, something mentioned earlier, uh, democracy is a process, so we must work hard. It also depends on us, on the citizens. We must be engaged and committed on the things we want to change. Uh, so me, it's about choosing our representative, and it's about commitment and engagement. I finish. Thank Okay, agent, you're such a patient man. Oops, he left. Agent, are you still with us? Okay, he's <laughs> he's obviously. Can you hear oh, me? there he is. Uh, now I can. Can you just give me one? Give me two minutes. Maybe go to someone else. I'll come back to me. Okay. Um, 
here's what I wanted to say as we start to wrap up. Um, I should have started this room by saying, asking everybody who wanted to speak whether they had voted. And then I should have gone on to say to everybody, did you help somebody else vote? And see, I've learned from having this room what should have been in the room. And that is why I love having this club, because you learn so much from the people in it and the things that they bring up and the things that that are important that you, meaning me, never even thought of. And I, I would also like to have a room uh, in the Karma Club um, for... MAGA people, I, I'm, I don't know what to call it, but maybe for patriots only. And I'd like to moderate a discussion in which those of us who are constantly talking to each other in progressive rooms are trying to figure out where um, intelligent people who don't believe what we believe are coming from. Because very often when you do that, you find that intelligent people who don't believe what you believe, believe, and I'm not talking about, you know, this should be a white Christian country. I'm talking about um, less, um, less violent beliefs than that. But there are a lot of reasons why people hold different belief systems. And there's absolutely no way to get to a place where we can all work together to preserve democracy if we don't reach out and figure out how people got to the beliefs that they now entertain. And, you know, and, and a lot of activists on this stage said today uh, something that, uh, unfortunately, I kind of believe too, which is that a lot of people believe that a lot of people are so disgusted with the system that they've they've basically opted out, and we've got to we've got to figure out how to opt them back in because many of them are the young, and I I remember this is the type of story old people always tell. I remember when I was young, I too opted out. I had a very busy life. I thought both parties were the same. Um, and and in the past, that was even before Lee Atwater. That was when parties had platforms. You know, we have now gotten to the point in politics where parties don't even have platforms. So the only way that you can tell what they believe is through social media. Dr. Francine, can I... Add one observation. I agree with you 100%. But I find it's so interesting to me after a year of doing these conversations on this particular topic, um, and, and we have had the occasional, you know, we have had the occasional, uh, for example, Trump supporter, uh, definitely not as frequently as um, would have been optimal to continue to uh, learn. Uh, but 
we we also often don't discuss. I've noticed um, leadership uh, and, and a need to really look at you know the the ethics of uh, civil you know public service uh, and what it means to be an elected official and how people are leading. And oh then, my God! You know, that's the most. That's the most. I'm going to say ridiculous thing to bring up with two minutes left. It's a huge issue. Uh, yes, but I'm not saying we should talk about it now. I'm flagging okay, it. Okay, but it's a, but it's the entire thing. You know, you're so right. But it's actually dark. At, at last thing, it's not. <laughs> there's the other thing is that there's all these hugely transformational forces at work right now. Social media, you know, and we should we can talk offline and, and plan to talk around it. And, and yet we have this, this kind of entrenched governing system in America and other countries that kind of continues to march along. And there's all these massive transformational forces that are happening around it. AI, climate, you know, everything, the pandemic, it has changed a lot and we've had to innovate and go about face. And so I just think this is a rare, you know, a moment in history and maybe that's a better way to close it down where it's great to come together um, and talk about these conversations and how to bridge these divides um, for the best outcomes for as many people as possible. You know, I was trying to think in the, in, in the pandemic and on Clubhouse, where I spend so much time, um, I was trying to think who has emerged as a leader during the pandemic. And the closest thing that I can think of is Dr. Dan. I think that Dr. Dan, uh, and many of you know him because he comes into a, a lot of different rooms and gives data-driven medical advice, but you know, also talks about a lot of other subjects. He is a person who, to my mind anyway, has emerged from this as a leader. You know, can you think of anyone else? Well, all his cohorts, <laughs> that entire yeah. health and communications and medical collective, um, yes, extremely active, um, and you know, then the Indian community mobilized for COVID. Uh, and then a the other person I, I'm going to say, and 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 she's on the stage, but the other person who has emerged as a leader is Shireen. You know, and and. I would love to see Shireen and Dr. Dan run for office. Oh, never. <laughs> By the see, way, that's what, okay. <laughs> never, just, never, never. I was asked that a long time ago in many instances. Okay, but you just, just encapsulated everything that's wrong with democracy now. The I best know. people will never run for office. Okay, because we don't we don't want we don't yeah different thing. I just want to say before we close because Agent actually unmiked. He has something to say, y'all. So let him say the last. Thing. Okay, Agent. Nope. And Francine, uh, this is Heyman. I think also hey, we have you to hear me? think. Oh, yes, go ahead, Agent. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was in and out. Um, yeah, I I just want to say I really appreciate the discussion. I think as far as, yeah, my thoughts on democracy generally, I think it's only as good as its people. Um, you know, we don't even, most, mostly we don't have any, any direct democracies. Switzerland's like the closest thing I know of. 
And there was a guy earlier who was the Ethereum developer. Who I think to me, that's the exciting stuff as far as going forward. How do we remove power from governments and get it back in the hands of people? Um, oh, while at the same, I believe while at the too. same time, kind of being aware of how that even that can concentrate into just a few powerful hands. I think he kind of mentioned that. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, but right now, you know, you're right. These things of sense-making are, are all breaking, be it social media, be it, you know, the fact that the mainstream media is corrupt um, and people who are given vote, whatever voting power they have is, you know, generally very uninformed. Uh, it's only as good as its people. And right now I would argue that places that are more, you know, look, it's um, Singapore, for instance, has done very good for its people with a reasonably, with, with a fair bit of authoritarianism. I would argue China. Cheryl, has, Cheryl has, keeps telling us that. She's in the audience. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> China's done, although, you know, people, you know, the West and, and the established powers and, um, you know, sort of, yeah, Western value people are, very nervous about China right now and its assertiveness in the world and all that. And I'm nervous too, but um, you can't argue with the results and the efficiency and so forth, the prosperity that they've been bringing to their people and just the power of that. So, um, you know, dem democracy or whatever form we have now of democracy is not about efficiency. And I think it's increasing, it's being more and more obvious just how inefficient it is to maintain systems like this. Um, but you know, that's the thing. So if we want to preserve it, we really have to learn to up our game somehow in, improve our systems so that we can all have a voice and have a vote and have our rights protected. Um, and I, I just think, yeah, we're in a very awkward time right now where we're failing on so many levels and hopefully we can get it. I, I would like to preserve voting rights and, um, you know, it's just, we really have to up our game and, and right now, the public discourse certainly doesn't really suggest that we deserve to have that power. So I hope we turn it around. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank everybody for coming. I try to keep these rooms at an hour because we talk about subjects that are serious and often controversial. And I find that I can keep control of the room for an hour. And after that, who knows what will happen. And I want everybody to go away feeling feeling love um, and feeling um, that they've accomplished something. Heyman, when you say you have a quote, what do you mean? <laughs> I think I have a great quote to, uh, to tie in everything that you're trying to do and everything that all the people have been trying to say. Steven? Yeah. Hi. Can you hear me? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, anyway... I'm um, I, I just want to say that I'm very happy and uh, proud of all of you for coming and participating in a serious discussion. And next week, we're going to have another equally serious discussion about how to, and I'm going to put this in solution format, not in problem format, how to make an alliance um, between black and white women. And that would be going under preserving democracy also, but it's a slightly different perspective on it. Go out and buy yourself some uh, karma coin so that you can 
work up to being a leader in this club, and then we will maybe solve all our problems here in the safe space that is the Karma Club on Clubhouse. And let's see, Heyman back channeled me a quote to end with, and I lost it. Um, the people have the power. All we have to do is awaken the power in the people. John Lennon. That is an awesome ending, Heyman. Thank you so much for that. The people have the power. All we have to do is awaken the power in the people. I'm going to end the room here and uh, shoot well, you know, five. Thank you, Francine. Thank you, Francine. <laughs> You're an OG leader yourself on Clubhouse, aren't you, Francine? Okay. Can't say that because you started the room, but you are. I'll say it for you. Totally agree. Thanks, Shereen. Thanks, Shirley, for joining. Um,